Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you're looking for a church home or are interested in what God is doing through Souls Harbor, visit us at www.soulsharborag.com. If you have an encouraging story of what God has done in your life through these podcasts, please share it with us at sharbor at indy.rr.com. Amen and amen. Hey, if you've got your Bibles... Turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians, and it's Thanksgiving week, and I'm probably the worst when it comes to preaching Thanksgiving messages. I always want to preach them the Sunday after Thanksgiving, because I guess because it's that four-day weekend, it kind of all feels like it goes together, but technically, I suppose I ought to preach it today, so that's what I'm going to do. Uh, I, I want to preach a Thanksgiving message this morning. We're going to be in two chapters in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, just briefly, and then we're going to move over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So we're going to be at the very beginning of the book and then almost to the end of the book here in a little bit. Now, being Thanksgiving week, if I ask you all, um, if I ask you what's the point of Thanksgiving, and I gave you a moment to answer, I suspect most of you, many of you would give me the answer, well, Pastor Barry, it's to be thankful. That makes sense, right? I mean, that's kind of the easy answer, and it's, it's a right answer. What's the point of Thanksgiving? Well, it's to be thankful, and I don't disagree with that, but maybe there's a more thoughtful answer we could give, and, and maybe it, it, it's, it's just changed up a little bit. Maybe it's something like this. The point of Thanksgiving isn't just to be thankful, it's to give thanks, right? Thanksgiving is to give thanks, and if I'm going to believe, and I do believe that, to, to, that Thanksgiving is to give thanks, then the implication is, if I'm going to give thanks, I have to give thanks to somebody, right? I mean, it's just a little weird to walk down the street and nobody in front of you saying, thank you, thank you. It kind of helps to point it somewhere, right? Am I right? You walk up to a wall and start saying thank you, and they're going to come for you, Okay? We need, if, if, we're go, if we believe Thanksgiving is about giving thanks, then the implication is it needs to be thanking somebody. Who do we thank? Now, I suspect this morning that a lot of people in our country today have lost track of who Americans, the people on this continent, were giving Thanksgiving to at the first Thanksgiving. And I don't mean back in the, whenever they launched Thanksgiving as a national holiday. I'm talking about the pilgrims sitting down and giving thanks, who had just traveled across an ocean, risked their life, some had died, to get to here to find out they didn't know how to raise enough crops to survive and had the help of, of the, the Native Americans to step up and say, this is how you grow and survive. Who were they giving thanks to? I suspect a lot of us on Thanksgiving, a lot of Americans on Thanksgiving have lost track of this. We give thanks to God. Right? We give thanks to God. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1, 4 and 5, he says, I give thanks to my God always, always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in Him in all speech and all knowledge. And, and, and let me just stop here for a minute and, and, and preach for a, a moment. Listen to me. God has blessed America and we've been blessed because we have, as a, 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 in large part, we've chosen to follow God's ways and God's precepts. We were founded on God's ways and God's precepts. And whenever people choose to follow God 
He blesses them. He, he blesses them and he enriches their life. He, he, Paul talks about you're enriched in your speech and your knowledge. I believe God enriches our lives when we serve him. I know that to be true. In America, we've been enriched as a people because by and large, even though even many times when we didn't choose to, people chose not to specifically follow God, they chose to live their lives according to his ways and his precepts. We can give thanks to God this morning for a lot of things, many things, even in these difficult times. And, and some may be thinking, Pastor Barry, do you watch, have, have you watched the news lately? Do we really have? A lot to give thankful, thanks for in America. Well, even with COVID, inflation, ships off the California, L.A. shoreline, even with the violence and even with the immorality in our nation, we have a lot to be thankful for. Ruthie and I, we went grocery shopping here a couple weeks ago, and we went to the Walmart market here in Plainfield, and we went in and we were picking up our groceries and do you know we actually came to the aisle where we get our soda and there was no Diet Coke in that store. It's devastating. For Ruthie. Do I look like I drink Diet Coke? <laughs> For Ruthie. And you know, this is how bad it's gotten in our nation. We had to leave the Walmart market and travel all the way out to the other side of Plainfield, at least 10, 5, 10 miles away, and we had to go to the Walmart superstore to get her Diet Coke. That's how bad it's got in America. What have we got to give thanks for? Y'all get it, right? You're smiling. You know, I'm going to tell you, even in the condition things are, and, I, and I'll, I'll grant you, things could certainly be better in America. And we're blessed. You know, I, I know there's violence on the streets. I get it. I know that. I know what's behind it. But you know, here's the reality. All, the, the vast, vast majority of Americans can walk down any street in the place they live and feel relatively safe. Can't they? And, and here's, okay, here's a little bit of common sense pastoral wisdom. If you don't want to get hurt, beat up, shot, shot at, or shoot somebody, one of the best ways to avoid that is don't go to those places. Right? Don't insert yourself in the middle of something you probably shouldn't ought to insert yourself in the middle of. Because I can promise you, and I, I know I'm getting sidetracked here and I'm going to meddle in a second, but if they don't want the police there to take care of them, they're certainly not going to want you there to take care of them. And if the crazies want to come out and do what the crazies do, thank God for the police. If the crazies, whoever the crazies are, you fill in the blank on that. If they come to my neighborhood, you know what I'm going to do? No, I'm not sending Ruthie out on the front porch. I'm going to dial 911. Say, we want the police in our neighborhood. And if they don't get there fast enough, I'll dial somebody who lives up literally four yards away from me. <laughs> I won't mention his name. Who is a police officer? And say, come running. Ruthie won't go on the front porch. We need help. Right? Right? We, we live, we're, we're so blessed in America. Even, even as bad as things are, we're so, so blessed in America. Um, however, the reality is, as good as things are, let's be honest, some things deserve more thankfulness than, the other, than others, right? I mean, there, there, is a, there is a stair step. I mean, some things you, you, just, you ought to be more thankful for than others. And let, let, me, let me see if I can illustrate it this way, okay? 
if I gave you a dime, would you be thankful? Would you? I, I, I mean, does, does any, I don't know, maybe you'd say no thank you. Are dimes worth anything anymore? I'm not really sure. Maybe, maybe not, but um, how, put it in context. If I'm standing at, at, at a checkout counter and you're in front of me and you've gone through your purse and pulled all your cash out and you're 10 cents short because of the tax you didn't take into account, um, and I pull out a dime and toss it up there and say, I'll, I'll take care of that for you. You'd, you'd be grateful, wouldn't you? You'd be thankful, right? And so would the 16 people behind me that let you move on through the line. A, a, a dime. It's worth something. How about a can of Campbell's soup? If I gave you a can of Campbell's soup, would you be thankful? Now, Ruthie told me this morning when I got this out of the cupboard to the pantry to bring it into church, she said, you know, most people don't eat that. Just a soup. I'm like, what do you mean they don't eat it as soup? It says right on it, cream of mushroom soup. She said, no, no, most people just put it in stuff. I'm like, really? It's not how I was raised. We threw it in a pan and warmed it up. You don't cook it in the microwave. That's just nasty. You got to let it, you got to let it boil up and put a little, little water in it, a little milk and some crack. Oh, that's good stuff. Some of you are making faces. Really? Well, let me give you a little context, okay? Because some of you, I can see right now, if I gave you the soup, you'd hand it back and say, thank you, but no thank you. But what, you know, if we were living in the 1930s when families were struggling to put two bologna sandwiches on the plate to feed their kids, and somebody walked up and handed you a can of mushroom soup, you'd be a little more thankful of that even than the dime, right? Right? Thankful. So thankfulness come, I mean, some things we're more thankful about than others. How about this? How about a $100 bill? Now, what I found out first service was there doesn't need to be any context to this one. People are just thankful to get a $100 bill. It don't matter what the context is. $100. Would you be thankful? I'd be more thankful for this than the Campbell suit, more thankful for the Campbell suit than the dime, right? There's some things in this world that I'm just more thankful for than others. How about this? How about if I gave you a kidney? Would you be thankful? How about this? How about if the kidney wasn't for you? How about if it was for your child that was laying in the bed that had no other options? You understand what I'm saying this morning? I want you to go with me this morning to 1 Corinthians 15. And I want to read to you something that Paul says. And I want you to see, I believe there's, I, I believe it's a bit of a stretch, I'll be honest, but I'm making a connection between Paul's faithfulness in chapter 1 and what I'm going to read here in chapter 15. But I do believe it's, it's a fair stretch, a fair connection I'm going to read to you what we should be most thankful about of all this Thanksgiving. Let me just, just uh, follow along with me. I'm going to read about 10 verses. Verse 1, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, for I delivered to you as of first importance... Now. Maybe we could say as the most important thing. I delivered to you as of first importance. I delivered you to you as of the most important thing. What I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day in accordance with Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, which is Peter, and then to the twelve, and then He appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles, last of all, as to one untimely born. And, and if you really want to dig into what Paul's saying, they're untimely born. He's one, one born out of time, one beyond the, the, the time of, of, of the appropriate time, one born 
after he should have been, even stillborn. I mean, that's how Paul's describing himself. He says, last of all, I was born as one to one untimely born. He appeared also to me, for I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Now, I want to jump back up this morning to verse 3, where he says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, and suggest to you this morning, as we give thanks to God this Thanksgiving season, maybe we ought to give thanks for the turkey, and we ought to give thanks for the Diet Coke, and we ought to give thanks for time with our family, and we ought to give thanks for the stuffing and the mashed potatoes and the football games and all the things we give thanks for, but maybe most important of all those things that we give thanks to this Thanksgiving season, we ought to stop and give God thanks for what Paul says is most important, and it's this, that Christ died. But, but let me just say this. It's not that Christ died that is important, because people die all the time. It's the second part of that, that Christ died for our sins. That's the most important thing. Maybe this Thanksgiving season, what we need to do is stop for a moment and give thanks to God, because Christ, God the Son, died for our sins. I fear in the church we've lost track of the reality of hell sometimes. You know, I'm thankful looking around this congregation this morning at the number of people that have followed Christ for years, and many of you grew up in church and Sunday school and read the Bible and know the Bible, and, 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 and that's powerful and wonderful, and I'm, I'm all for that. But the risk that comes with being that person is the things that we know to be true and the things that we've grown up with, we just we come to take as almost for granted. Yeah, Christ died for me, and I'm thankful for that, but I don't feel that sense of thankfulness, because honestly, thankfulness is not saying thank you. Thankfulness is a feeling in the heart, right? And we can, if we're not careful, we'll let ourselves slip to a place where we know these things to be true, we believe them to be true, and we can say thank you, but we don't feel it at the deep place we ought to feel it. Can I tell you this morning, hell's a reality? There is a place, Scripture describes, utter darkness, separation from God, torment day and night, weeping and gnashing of teeth. And, and it's, scripturally it says it's eternal. It's forever. And when I read these words, Christ died for my sins, Christ died for your sins, Christ died for our sins, what I'm saying to you is God himself chose to come to this earth to hang on a cross and die a brutal death to pay a price for my sins that I couldn't pay because he could not stand. He loved me so much he could not stand to see me spend eternity separated from him in that place we call hell. That's something to be thankful. You think giving a kidney's a big deal? I guess that wouldn't actually be the kidney, would it? Back here. Giving a kidney is a big deal? There's a reason I'm a preacher and not a doctor, okay? So don't look at me too funny. You think giving a kidney is a big deal? God gave his life in the form of Jesus Christ. How many of you would agree with me that raising kids can be difficult sometimes? Yeah. Um, I'm I'm looking around here. I had to I had to be, I had some little kids in first service, and I, so I had I kind of tempered this a little bit. What I said, I didn't want to walk out of here thinking my parents hate me. I didn't want them to walk out of here feeling that. But but have you ever had the moment where you thought, oh, I love those kids, but I'm not so sure. What was I thinking? 
Be honest. Your kids aren't here. You can be honest. I mean, they might have been 26 when you had the thought, but I'm just saying. My youngest son, uh, Austin, had their first baby a little over a year ago, and I can remember when he and his wife got married and, and talking to him, and I, I think he had said, if I remember the number right, Dad, I, yeah, I'm kind of wanting six kids. I'm like, that's awesome. I'd like to have six grandkids. And I think, I think his wife, I think Kylie was, I, I, don't know, I don't know. I don't think she was all about six, but I think she was like four. Maybe, maybe he could persuade me to have five. I don't know. I, I, I don't remember. But then Dempsey was born, my, their, their firstborn, and my, young, my youngest grandson. And I can remember about two months into this thing, talking to Austin and saying, Austin, how's those six kids working? How's that? Well, you, how are you feeling about that, son? And he's like, Dad, we're dying here. We haven't slept more than two hours in two months. Uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe one, maybe, maybe one, maybe he's going to be an only child. Maybe it's not so bad, right? You know, we can pour all of our lives into him and just him. And I just, I just smiled and said, it'll be all right. Uh, you know, so we're children of God. Now, here's how much God loves you. Austin and Kylie, of course, they, they love they love Dempsey desperately, but they had no idea what they were getting into. No parent ever does. I had no idea, right? I mean, that's just fair. God knew exactly what he was getting into when he made you and me. God knew before he formed Adam and Eve, God knew before he formed me in my mother's womb, God knew exactly who I was going to be, and he knew that Adam and Eve would fail and sin and walk away from him and destroy the relationship. He knew that I would have sin in my life just like you do because we're all born in sin, shaping in iniquity according to Isaiah. We're all that person. We're all that guy. He knew all of that and he still made us knowing, knowing that the only way he could save us and restore relationship with us was for he himself to go and hang on a cross and die. There's something to give thanks for. That's, that, that's a dad's love right there. That's a parent's love. That this, this Thanksgiving season is something to give thanks for. God, that you love me so much, you allowed me to be born who I am, even knowing what you would have to do for me. Paul says the first importance, the most important thing, the thing that we ought to give thanks for above all else is that Christ died for our sins in accordance with Scripture. And then he goes on, he says that he was buried. And again, you know, being buried is not a big deal. You can drive 10 minutes any direction from where we're standing and find yards full of buried people. They call them graveyards. Being buried isn't a big deal. But, but he goes on and he says he, he was buried. He says, but of first importance, he was raised on the third day in accordance with Scripture. Now listen, we could get into the conversation about why did Christ have to be raised from the dead on the third day, and I'm sure there's some really deep theological reasons and answers and things that could be pulled together out there, but let me give you a simple answer. It's this, if Christ hadn't been risen on the third day, I would have no way to know whether He was really capable of dying for my sins or not. Because anybody can stand up and say, hey, you know, hang me on a cross and let me die, and, and when I die, I'm going to die for years. Anybody can say that. I don't know why anybody would, but, you know, there were other messiahs that came before Jesus, but Jesus is the one who was unique in what he did, and that, that he backed up what he said, and that he rose from the dead on the third day. There's something to give, give, to give thanksgiving for this morning, that Jesus not only died and was buried for my sins, but he rose on the third day to show me, convince me, prove to me, make it beyond question, uh, beyond question that he really was the Son of God who could die for my 
sins. Yeah, we give thanksgiving on thanksgiving for many things, but maybe we ought to be above all else, more than the Campbell soup and the dime and the hundred dollars. We ought to, um, maybe we ought to give thanksgiving to God for our salvation. If we can go back up a verse just to, to verse one. He says this, he said, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel and what I've just been sharing about death, burial, and resurrection. That's the gospel. That's the message. That's the good news. That's, that, that's the gospel. I preach to you which you received in which you stand and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word, I preach to you unless you believed in vain. Now, so let, let, me just, let me just preach here for a minute, okay? Paul says this gospel, this salvation is something in the past and that it is something you received in the past. Every one of you in this room, if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, you've prayed and you've, you've asked Him to forgive you of your sins and be the Lord of your life, there was a point in the past where you did that and you were saved in the past. But Paul doesn't just stop there. He says you received in the past, you received salvation, but he says it's also salvation is something you stand in. Now listen to me, church, this morning, you need to hear this. You need to put your feet firmly on the ground and stand in God's salvation today. The storms may blow around you. The media may tear up the world. Our politicians may screw things up. We may not be able to get Diet Coke. But you need to stand in your salvation. Because salvation is something that happened in the past, but it's also something that goes on in my heart, in my life, day by day, hour by hour, moment by moment in the present. But then Paul goes on and he says, also, it's something by which you are being, you are being saved. Salvation is in the past, it's in the present, but it's also in the future because my salvation carries on with me. They say, Pastor Bay, what's the, great, that's, what's the point of that? Well, the point is this, it's the second part of what he says. He says, you're being saved if you hold fast to the word I preach to you. If you've got your Bibles there, turn, turn with me. Just, just go down a, a little bit further um, to verse 33. I want, I want to read something. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. So, so, so let me just talk, stop here and, and, and preach for a minute. Wake up from, from your drunken stupor as is right, and do not go on sinning. Some have no knowledge of God. Here's why I say this. This is why I, I, I stop here for a minute, church. There's a lot of people who have been saved and a lot of people standing in salvation, but I fear that there are those who are going to walk away from their relationship with God. Because how, how was that worded? How, how, did, how did Paul say that? Bad company ruins good morals. You say, Pastor Barry, I, I don't have bad company. I hang out with good people. Well, okay, I, I hope you do. If you, if, you, if you don't, maybe you need to rethink that, but that's, that's not my point. My point is this. We're living in a world, a society, a culture, a day, and an age of technology that it's not just my best friend that lives across the street from me or three blocks over or that I run around with or that I, I, I spend time with. We're influenced by media, entertainment, social media, government, politicians, CNN, Fox, MSNBC, Facebook, Twitter, Movies, Netflix, Amazon Prime, your cable TV, all of those things have influence on you. And if you say they don't, 
you really need to rethink that. I, I, I'm not the guy that's telling you that because you watch some violent movie on TV today, you're going to go out and shoot somebody tomorrow. I'm not telling you that that's the case with most people. But what I am telling you is what Scripture tells you, and, 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 and let me read it again. Let me see if I got this right. Bad company ruins good morals. Our educational system, our colleges, even our high schools, in some instances, and our teachers, in some instances, I know every, I've got to be careful with this, every high school teacher and every high school in America is not pointing themselves towards bad morals, but there are plenty that are. You need to know what your kids are being taught. Right? See, that was so good, it was worth hearing again. Right? Good, bad company ruins good morals. And Paul says, if I believe what Paul says, Paul says this salvation, he says you need to hold fast to it. He says you are being saved if you hold fast unless you believed in vain. What I'm telling you this morning is if you allow Netflix to influence what's right and wrong in your life and moral and immoral in your life, what I'm telling you is if you allow Facebook to determine what's acceptable, what's, what's biblically right based on what's culturally right, you're going to put yourself in a place to where, according to Paul, what you believe may be in vain. Does that make sense? What do we give thanks for? We give thanks for God's salvation, past, present, and future, but we have to choose to walk in it. Let me, let me bring this to a close. Let me, let me end this. Paul, he, he ends that section by saying this. He, he describes all the other apostles who watched and saw Jesus' death and resurrection and talks about how he's unworthy and the least of all the apostles because he persecuted the church. And he, you know, he, he was quite possibly there at Christ's death and, and supportive of it. He says, by the grace of God, only I am what I am. And I suspect that some of you here this morning could say the same thing about your life. The only reason you are what you are and where you are, and I will say that about me, is by the grace of God. Okay, he, he, he says that, and that's something to give thanks for. He says, by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. And I'll end with this thought this morning. Why do we give thanksgiving? Why do we give thanks? How about this? How about we give thanks with a purpose this Thanksgiving? Say, so what do you mean, Pastor Barry? Paul just, I just read it to you. Paul said this. He said, I am what I am by the grace of God. Therefore, I work harder than anyone else. And what I'm suggesting to you this morning is maybe this Thanksgiving, as we eat our turkey and our stuffing and our potatoes and our noodles and our, our Campbell's mushroom soup, right? Maybe as we eat all that, we stop and we remember what God has done with us. He died, was buried, and rose again for our sins. And we let it motivate us to work harder than we've ever worked before for Him. Anybody here ever ask yourself, why do I do what I do? Anybody? I do. I'm your pastor. I get to be a preacher, a pastor, a preacher of the gospel. And I still, God, why do I, why? Came in this morning and went to set up first service and Realized, didn't bring the stupid little dongle. You can say dongle in church. That's not a dirty word, by the way. The stupid little dongle connection that connects the computer to Facebook so we can broadcast. I, I, I left it at home. It was on my desk upstairs. So I had to jump in my car and drive all the way home, 15 minutes back to my house, which isn't horrible, but 15 minutes back to my house, 
go up the stairs, track mud up the stairs, grab the thing. Ruthie was here to apologize for her service too. She's not here now. So back down, track it back down the stairs, get in the car, drive all the way back to church, get here 10 minutes before, hook it all up, and it still didn't work right. Why do I do what I do? You know why I do what I do? Jesus Christ died for my sins, and I'm grateful. And I know people matter to Jesus Christ. You know why I came out and raked leaves yesterday? Because i got to be honest, I'm not a big fan of raking leaves. I believe in heaven there will be no leaves. Or if there are, there will be trees that don't shed them. It's because I'm thankful. And I want to work harder than anybody else. God, help me do that. Why do you do what you do? Why do you cook? Some of you clean. Some of you take care of babies. Some of you take care of, of youth and teenagers. Some of you play instruments and sing and work in the sound booth. And They all have their bad moments. Some of you make coffee and serve coffee. Why do we do what we do? Could this Thanksgiving be a Thanksgiving with a purpose? Thanksgiving to be motivated. God, help me work harder than I've ever worked before. Because I'm thankful to you for what you did for me. Amen? Why don't you stand this morning? I'm going to ask you right where you're standing. I'm going to let you go in like two minutes. But if you would do this for me, I would appreciate it. We've got some folks online that are still with us, I'm sure. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment where you're at? Most important thing this Thanksgiving you can do online or in the sanctuary is make sure your heart is right with Jesus, with the Father. Make sure that you've bowed your head at some point in that past, and, or maybe today for you it's in the present, and said, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness, and I ask you today to forgive me of my sins and live in my heart. I need you. And maybe you're here this morning and that's the prayer you need to pray. Or maybe you're online and that's the prayer you need to pray to make this the greatest Thanksgiving you've ever had. I'm going to ask you if that's you on Facebook or here in the room, would you just slip your hand up and hold it there for a moment? Right back down. Yes, I see your hand. Thank you. Will you all pray this prayer with me this morning? Everybody in the sanctuary, online, you, 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 you feel free to pray along as well. Jesus. I do love you, and I need you. I'm a sinner, and I ask you to forgive me. Be my Savior, my Lord, my God. I surrender my life into your hands. I choose to follow you with everything I've got. And now I know heaven is my home. I have a promise, and I thank you. I thank you. Amen. Make the best Thanksgiving you ever had. You ever had. Amen. God bless you guys. Listen, eat a lot of turkey, a lot of mashed potatoes, a little bit of Campbell's mushroom soup. Campbell's needs to send me a, 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 a check for promoting today. Eat till you're comatose in front of the football game. Have a great time with your family, but remember Jesus. Amen. God bless. Have a great week. 
Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you're looking for a church home or are interested in what God is doing through Souls Harbor, visit us at www.soulsharborag.com. If you have an encouraging story of what God has done in your life through these podcasts, please share it with us at sharbor at indy.rr.com.